You've heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, right? We've all heard that? Well, uh, sometimes I feel like I get judged by my cover. You know, a month and a half ago, it was my birthday, I turned the big 3-0, okay? I'm 30 now, I'm old, I'm over the hill, the midlife crisis is coming, it's going to be here soon, getting ready for it, but I'm 30, I've been married for six years, I've got two kids, you know, I've I've got things going, but this happens to me pretty regularly, you know, not infrequently, that someone will knock on my door, I'll open it, some person selling me exterminator services or a vacuum or something. And I say, hey, what's up? How's it going? They say, hi, uh, is your mom or dad home? (laughs) Come on, man. I'm a pretty, I think I'm, you know, God blessed me with some youthful good looks. But come on, I mean, I want to open the door wider. I'm like, well, I'm the dad here. Here are my children. Uh, Sometimes we judge a book by its cover. And sometimes we look at this verse of the Bible we're talking about judgment tonight. You've heard that someone say, don't judge me, or they quote the verse, judge not lest ye be judged. You can't judge me. Don't tell me how to live my life. People quote this at us all the time. As a, as a pastor, I hear this all the time. As Christians, we probably hear this all the time. Christians are judgmental. They do all these different things. They, they, don't, they don't approve of the way people live. And let me be honest. Most of the time I hear people quoting that at me, they're correct, they're correct because we're judging in the wrong way. A lot of times we judge in totally an inappropriate way in the way that Jesus shows us we shouldn't be judging. We see someone that lives on the street and we start to make judgments really quickly. Oh, that person must have made bad choices with their life. They must be on drugs. They must be drinking. They must have done something horrible to deserve this place here. Or we look at people. We just look at them. We look at, oh, I, I, we judge them by the way they dress. We judge them by how much money they make. We judge them by the car that they drive or their kids, how their kids act. Please don't judge me based on how my kids act. We judge people, we judge people, we judge people for all the wrong reasons. Exactly what Jesus is talking about right here. We do that all the time. And in the same vein, we don't judge for the right reasons. We see brothers and sisters in Christ that are in sin, and we know they're in sin, and we know that it's destructive, and we know that it's bad. We see this all the time where we have these, a couple, they're, they're engaged or they're dating, they're living together. And we know that God calls us not to purity. He calls us to purity. He calls us not to do that, not because he's mean and he hates having fun, but because he loves us. And he knows that these type of rela- that type of relationship in that context is not good. It's not fruitful. But we don't. We're scared. Ooh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to offend them. Or at work, there's bad business practices. We know there's corruption going on. We sit by quietly. We don't say anything. We don't want to rock the boat. We withhold judgment when we know it's the right thing to do. When we know that something bad is going on. We know it's not right. And so what does this look like? This passage is confusing because on the one hand, we're told not to judge. But on the other hand, we know that there's times where it is right to judge. We know that there's a heart of judgment that's always bad. A heart that looks down on others. A heart that puts, sets themselves up over others in judgment. That's always bad. But there's also a heart of concern where we judge someone's actions to be not in line with the gospel, not in line with what God has for us as a Christian brother or sister. So there's a time where it's good and it's right and it's what we need to be doing 
So tonight we look at this passage and we're going to explore in Matthew. We made it all the way to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, open up there. We're going to look at what this means. What does it mean? How do we judge? How do we do this right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay a note attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Let's discover together what Jesus has for us, how, we're supposed, how we are supposed to judge properly and not improperly. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that sometimes you call us out and you tell us how we're to live And Lord, help us to judge our own hearts in the right way so that we might be merciful to others and be good to others and not judge wrongly, but uphold your will, your love, your grace, and your mercy. Be with us. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, we want to talk about what is this judgment? What what does he mean? What does Jesus mean by judgment? What does he mean by judge not lest ye be judged? Do not judge. Well, first of all, let's, let's just talk about a couple things it doesn't mean. First of all, it's not all kinds of judgment. Jesus, right in this passage, ha- tells us to, we have to judge between different things. Even right there at the end, in verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. He's not talking about actual dogs or actual pigs. He's talking about people. People who reject the, the good news of the gospel. and not to. So you have to determine to judge, if you will, whether one is a dog or a pig that we don't throw what is sacred to them. You have to judge. Later on, spoiler alert for later on in Matthew, Jesus tells us not to follow false teachers, to reject false prophets. You have to judge whether one is a false prophet or not. So there's types of judgment that are good and that are necessary. And ultimately, Jesus is a judge. Jesus will come back as judge. So Jesus does it too and will do it too. And we're going to see some instances where he judges properly in Scripture today. So what is he talking about? What is, well, let's get to the core of this. When we're talking about this type of, when he says do not judge, he's talking about a certain type of, maybe we'll call it, let's call it judgmentalism. When we put ourselves up as an authority, looking down on other people, condescending them, saying that I'm better than you, that, that kind of, That's judgmentalism. If you're clicking your tongue at somebody, don't do that. Judgmentalism, we're saying you're condemning somebody. You're saying they're, you know what? You're you're passing this huge judgment on them. We look at Christian leaders all the time, okay? And all the time in the news. Too frequently, it's, it's kind of depressing. We hear about a Christian leader who has some sort of failure and falls from grace and they lose their church and it's horrible. And people's faiths are shipwrecked. But the Christian, our Christian culture is quick to judge them. Wow, they must not really know Jesus. They must, you know, all this stuff, all this great thing that God, it must not have been from God. We're quick to pass judgment. 
who are quick to set ourselves up as a moral authority and say, that person was just useless. What they did was not for God. We don't, we don't know. We have no clue, and we just jump to those things. As Christians, we jump to the judgment. As a society, as humans, we jump to judge, to set ourselves up over them, and to cast down condemnation upon them. James talks about this in James chapter 2. The brother of Jesus. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you, stand there. Sit down on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with, with evil thoughts? This happens in the church. This happens with us. We see someone, we judge them. Ooh, I, they look kind of weird. They look kind of shady. Like maybe we should just keep them away, like get, get them at arm's length. You know, this person, like, look at, look at how they dress. You know, look at how they dress. They, they must be a hooligan, you know? Look at, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're saying. Look at the word. You judge. You judge. You judge. What if you are, when we go into God's house, when you are into God's presence, it's not like any of us are going into God's presence. We're all nice, shiny, and clean. No, we're all shabby in comparison to him. We're all poor in comparison to God. And yet God welcomes us. He doesn't say, oh, go in the corner. Go sit over there. No, God welcomes us in. He says, I love you. Come to me. Come spend time with me. I love you. I care about you. What if God used the same rubric? What if he used the same judgmentalism on us? We'd be in big trouble because we're not offering a lot to God. We're not offering great things. And yet God receives us, which brings us to, we know what kind of judgment it is now. We know that we're not supposed to be setting up over people, judging down, condemning them. So why don't we do it? Well, first of all, back in Matthew, we're taking away God's place of judgment. God's, we're usurping his authority. We're taking it away. We're sitting in his judgment seat because God is judge. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Who's going to be the one that judges us? God. God is the one that ultimately is going to judge us. God knows the heart. God knows what's going on in a person's soul. And so a lot of times we shouldn't judge because we're simply not qualified to do it. You don't know what's in another person's heart. You don't know what's really there. You don't know where they've come from or what's going on. We don't know the circumstances a lot of times. You just don't. You look at someone on the street, you look at someone you meet in the workplace or wherever, you have no clue a lot of times. We judge like that based on appearance. We judge like that based on a circumstance. You have no clue what's going on. You have no clue what's going on. And you take five minutes to talk to someone and you hear their story. You hear, wow, okay, it's a lot more complex than they made bad decisions. It's a lot deeper than just, oh, someone made a bad decision one day and now they're here. No, it's different. We have no idea what's going on in their lives. We have no idea. We're quick to pronounce guilt. When we judge people in that way, 
It's also the measure by which we are judged. Okay? Let me, let me just share with you in Luke. Luke parallels this passage. Luke tells another instance where Jesus is talking about this. Here what he says. Do not judge or you will be judged. Okay? So if you judge others, you're going to be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. We condemn others. Wow, that person, they must not be a Christian. You will be condemned. The same measure is measured up against you. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. We must treat people and not judge them in this manner because we're going to get the same thing as going to return to us. And here's what happens. In the end, it's purely hypocritical. Listen to this. Remember, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How many of you have ever had a conversation with someone and they had like a giant piece of spinach in their teeth? And you just see it and you're like, I cannot hear a word they're saying because all I can see is that spinach screaming at me and demanding my attention. How many of you have something that you, really annoys you when other people do it, but when you think about it, you are just as bad, if not worse, than they are? I really dislike when people are know-it-alls, when they act like they know everything. It really just bothers me. I'm like, ooh, that, they must be horrible people. They're know-it-alls. I just hate that. But when I think about it, I am the worst know-it-all on the planet. A lot of times when we look at those things, I like looking at this speck in their eye, ooh, know-it-all, and I've got this giant plank sticking out of my own eye. And when people see it, they see it all the time. Someone at work, well, uh, your boss will reprimand you for doing something. You're like, that guy does it all the time. He does it all the time. When we start casting down judgment on people, you know, when Christians are passing down, look at all these people, they're all this immoral things, and they hear about a pastor having a moral failure. When they hear about someone cheating on their wife in the church, they just say like, who are you to judge me? And they're absolutely correct to do that. Who are you to judge what I am doing? What's that all about? It's pure hypocrisy. Romans 2, chapter 1. Romans 2, verse 1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. It winds up being pure hypocrisy about 90% of the time. You judge someone, you, pass, you condemn them, you're probably guilty of the exact same thing in your own heart. You're guilty of the exact same thing. And here's the thing. Ultimately, God is a better judge. God's a better judge. He's a better judge than you or I will ever be. Because again, God knows the heart. You and I, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And for you and I, when we go and we judge someone based on some of their actions, based on the way they look, based on whatever, based on their lifestyle choices, we don't know the whole story. We're in no better place ourselves. And God is the ultimate judge. The NBA Finals are happening right now. Please don't tell me the score. Stephen Curry, point, star point guard for the Warriors, is a great free throw shooter. Okay? Great. You always want him shooting free throws. That's what you want him to do. But what if, like, what if someone came in, maybe a Shaquille O'Neal type person, Shaquille O'Neal, notoriously horrible free throw shooter, Steph's going up to the line, okay, I'm getting ready for to shoot these. Shaq's like, yo, I got this. And then airballs a couple free throws. You don't do that. This is what happens in the church. God says, let me judge. That's my job. That's my job. And it's like, God, 
let me handle this one. And then we airball a judgment, you know? We do that all the time. We take God's authority from him and say, I got this one, God. I got this one. God, trust him. Trust him. Sometimes we feel like we need to bring justice. God will bring justice. God will do those things. And here's the other part we need to remember. Those are the reasons we don't judge. Jesus will judge us. Matthew 25. Here's what happens. Matthew 25. At the end, in the end, Jesus is coming back, and it's going to be amazing. But part of what happens when Jesus comes back is he's going to judge. And they find themselves this situation. All these people, all mankind, everyone is before God from past the present, and anyone yet to be born, we're all going to be standing before the Lord. We're all there, and he's judging. And he's saying, some people, hey, you saw people that were in need, they were hungry, they were thirsty, they were in need of clothes, they were in jail, and you visited them. You did that for me. You did that to me. When you cared for any of those people, when you loved any of those people, when you withheld judgment and instead loved and cared, that was to me. You did that to me. Well done. Come into my kingdom. So when we, don't, we withhold our judgment, we say, you know what? God's place is to judge. I'm going to care about people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to bring reconciliation. I'm going to bring goodness. I'm going to bring life. That's good. And then there's these others that they judge. And they don't give someone who's thirsty something to drink. They don't give food to the one who is hungry. They don't give clothes to the one who is in need. And here's what happens. Jesus turns to them. And he says something that's haunting. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. He will reply to them, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus will judge. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And this is a terrifying reality that we live in. That God will judge us. But here is the great and good news of the gospel. If we know Jesus, even though we are worthy of judgment, even though we've earned judgment, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is the judgment and wrath of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 8.1, Paul, you quoted it earlier. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. No condemnation. No judgment. No judgment. We believe in Christ. We follow Christ. We say, Jesus, I throw myself on your grace and mercy. Jesus, you died for my sins and rose again. And we cast ourselves on the foot of the cross. And Jesus says, I will not judge you. I'm going to withhold your, you're, you're innocent in my eyes. You're washed clean in my eyes. And you will not face the judgment. And so we rejoice as believers. We rejoice. We sing God's praises. We thank him. That's why we worship that's the reality from which we worship. And, the be- and even more, Jesus was judged for us. Someone was still judged. Someone was still judged, and that person was Jesus. 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Though we once regarded Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 
5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. We deserved, we deserve judgment. No matter how much we judge other people, or we look down, we set ourselves up so we can make ourselves feel better about someone else. Oh, at least I don't do that. At least I'm not that sinful. At least I didn't do those things. At least I don't dress that way. At least whatever it is. We deserve judgment. Period. Because no one is righteous on their own. And yet, God rescued us, reconciled us, redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ, who died and was judged, forsaken by the Father. For us. And so when we throw ourselves on God's mercy, it's such, that's the good news. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That we were dead in our sins, but made alive in Christ. We were under judgment, under penalty, under God's condemnation. God is a good judge. God always makes the right judgment. And God said, instead of judging you, I offer my son as sacrifice, as a payment for your sin. And if you trust in him, if you believe in him, if you give your heart to him, no judgment for you. There's no judgment for you. And this is the forgiveness that we can have. This is when we can be, this is part of the judgment that we can be a part of. Look, Jesus was, one time he was at this well, and he met this Samaritan woman. And Jewish people like Jesus didn't get along with Samaritans, but Jesus loves everyone. So he strikes up a conversation with this woman. And he offers her, he, see, he knows she is in need. She knows she is in need. He asks her for water, and then he offers her the living water of the gospel. And he tells her, hey, go get your husband. Let's, go, let's talk to him about it. Because Jesus knows. She says, oh, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus, he judges her. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with and sleeping with right now isn't your husband. Jesus is judging. He's determined. He knows what's going on in her life, that she has a need. But he doesn't use it to condemn her. He's not saying, and I am superior to you. I'm better than you because I don't have that sin in my life. Jesus uses it as a means to say, you need me. You need living water. You need redemption because everyone is searching for something. Everyone is running after something to fulfill them, to fill the emptiness inside. Look, we, there's, this, there's been this big thing in the news. We've been hearing about Caitlyn Jenner, okay? And here's the thing. This is what's made me, it's made me sad the way that I've seen my Christian brothers and sisters respond to this. That it's just like, oh, this is disgusting. It's all, she's looking for something. All of us, we're, are, we're, if we don't know Christ, you're looking for something. If we do know Christ, you were looking for something. Maybe you found it 
in your job. Maybe you found it in a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Maybe you tried to find it with money or with things or with objects. Maybe you looked for it in your identity, who you were. We all were searching for something. And a lot of times we just stand, oh, that's, that's disgusting. We condemn. You and I, we, if we are believers, we have the answer. We found the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer that we are lost. We are dead in our sins, but Christ is there. He loves us. He was judged for us. He, be, he who had no sin became sin for us and was judged on our behalf so that we could be saved. So instead of condemning those who are, you see people like, oh, they're sinning. Look at that. Look at that disgusting sin in their life. It's not about that. It's about, we have the answer. You're searching. We have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Just think about that. What if someone judged you at the lowest moment of your life? When you were in the deepest sin, when you were lost, what if someone judged your entire life based on that moment? Do you think they'd probably condemn you? Probably. Instead of being, we need to be ministers of reconciliation. Listen to that again in 2 Corinthians. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave, uh, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Are Christians known for being ministers of reconciliation or are they known for being ministers of judgment? I think too often we're known for being ministers of judgment. He has committed the message to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What if instead of judging people, we implored them? I'm begging you. You gotta be, you have to be reconciled to God. You have to be reconciled to God. I want this so desperately for you because I love you. I care about you. God loves you. God cares about you. God doesn't want, desire to judge you. He desires that all would be saved. And we are ministers of God's reconciliation. So this is where it comes in with that how do we judge correctly. You know, we've seen that we tend to judge wrong. We tend to judge for the wrong things. And we tend not to judge the right things. We do a lot of finger wagging and not a lot of reconciling. Not a lot of love grace, reaching out like Jesus and the woman at the well. Out of, we, do, we want to do this out of love, knowing that judgment is coming. We want to remove, and we want to, right, it talks about the log, the plank in one's eye. Once you remove it, you do want to remove the speck from someone else's eye. It's not like remove the log from your own eye and let someone else go on sinning. No, you, you remove the log. You remove, you repent of your sin. You say, God, change me. God, forgive me. God, transform me. God, get this log out of my eye so that I can care for others. So instead of being judgmental, practicing judgmentalism, we practice a different kind of judgment. We might call it accountability because we love, because we care about people. Here's what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 27, verse 17. You've probably heard this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Therefore, encourage one another, and build one another up just as you are doing. We, we do this as Christians, as believers. We encourage, hey, I'm praying for you. I know that you're struggling in this area. I want to keep, keep going. Keep following after Jesus. Keep being a minister of reconciliation. And sometimes, you know, have you ever sharpened a knife? It's, it's kind of a brutal process. If you looked at what from the knife's perspective, it's brutal. 
They're shaving off burrs. They're flattening these things, these curls of metal. It's a pretty brutal process. Sometimes sharpening for us is hard. It's difficult, but it's good. We have to judge. Sometimes we have to judge. Man, I see there's something going on in your life, and I love you. I care about you. I want God to change this for you. James 5.16. James says, Confess, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. As believers, we confess to each other. And when you confess, if someone confesses a sin to me, if someone confesses a sin to you, that's giving you the approval to check in later. That's giving you the approval to say, how are you doing with that? I'm really struggling with being pure with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. I'm really struggling. I just have so much anger towards this person at work. So next time when I see you, I can say, how's that going? What's God doing in your heart? Are you praying about that? Are you submitting that before the Lord daily? How is God transforming you? How is the Holy Spirit changing your heart? And we build each other up. And there's judgment there, but the right kind, out of love, out of patience, out of a desire to be reconciled. And finally, Luke 17, 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. People are going to mess up and they're going to wander away from God in this, in this room, in this body of believers. We see it all the time. And that's, that's life. That's the experience that we have as humans. Because we're fallen, we're sinful, we do dumb things. And so we say, we rebuke. We say, dude, get on track. Where are you going? Don't wander away from God. Not out of, like, I'm better than you. Not out of sitting on God's judgment seat. So instead of being people that judge and take God's place of authority and we're doing what God's supposed to be doing, which is judging the heart of men, we're not doing that. We're dispensing God's love and his grace and his forgiveness and we are ministers of reconciliation within the church and outside. And that's the best, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel because you and I, we're not worthy of what God gave us. We didn't earn salvation. We didn't do enough nice things that God said, hey, you're pretty good. Come be part of my kingdom. No, he said, we're all sinful. We're all unrighteous. We're all poor. We're all just in shabby rags. And yet, God said, I'm going to send my son for you. And Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life. Perfect. He never sins. He never does anything. He has the right to judge. And yet, on his earthly ministry... He dispenses, he is the minister, the chief minister of reconciliation. And now he says, you who follow me, you get to do that too. You get to be a part of that too. What if we were a culture, a Christian culture, instead of being known for being judgmental, just condemning people, look at this sin, look at this ugliness. Instead of doing that, we said, we want to support We implore you. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know who God is. We want you, and people are searching and they're looking in all the wrong places instead of saying, that's gross, that's disgusting, that's wrong. We say, Jesus can answer those things. God can answer those things. God sent his son for you that you might have life and have it abundantly and have it the way that you were intended to have it. What if we did that instead? People would be amazed. People would, they might still hate us, They might still think that we believe wrongly, but they would hate us for the right reasons. 
I don't mind, I, I, I feel like every time I come up here I get to talk about being hated for the right reasons, but that's great. I would love for people to be angry because all we do, like everything you talk about, all your, your answer is you think that Jesus will solve it. And we say, yes, he will. He can actually solve your deepest heart's needs and desires instead of being a people of judgment. So today, so today, where is it that you are judging others? Who is that person? Because we all have those people. How are you ha- standing in God's place of authority and condemning others? And how can, you transform, how can you ask God to transform that? How can you, instead of being a judge, and un- this self-righteous judge, and become a minister of reconciliation, of God's goodness, his grace, his mercy, and the gospel? And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you've never had that encounter, and you're hearing this, whoa, I didn't know that. The people I, a lot of the people I know would say, I'm just going to hell. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are in your life today. Jesus is saying, I want you, because we can't do anything to earn our salvation. But God is just waiting there. He desires that all would be saved. Would you respond to him tonight? Would you listen to him tonight? And Christians, would we be ministers of reconciliation? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.